This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by AgentYouTube.com. Would you like more leads that find you instead of you finding them? Let the YouTube agents show you how. The YouTube agents started making videos with no sphere of influence. This year, they're on pace to close more than 100 sales all from leads generated on YouTube. They put a step-by-step -step video program to show you exactly what to do and what not to do to become a YouTube real estate superstar. Visit agentyoutube.com to learn more and sign up today. That's agentyoutube.com. And now, onto the show. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Melinda Jakovich Lagrange. Before we get to Melinda, a couple of quick announcements. Number one, we have a brand new website. Please check it out, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done can be streamed there. We've also organized all of our different categories of episodes uh, on the homepage if you scroll to the bottom. So for example, if you like our Coaching Moments uh, series with Ryan D'April, you can do that, or our GoGo -Go Social Bootcamp series or Carrie McCormick Monday Market Series. They're all there. So you can actually find the episodes you want much more easily. So please, again, check out keepingitrealpod.com. Second, please tell a friend. Think of one other real estate agent that could benefit from listening to interviews with top producers, to sharing their success strategies, and send them over a link to our show. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners who continue, and our viewers, to continue to support our show as we're approaching our 200th episode. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And now on to our interview with Melinda Jakovich Lagrange. Okay, today on the show, we have Melinda Jakovich Lagrange from uh, Compass. Now, Melinda has 26 years of experience working with high-end buyers and sellers in Chicago's most upscale neighborhoods. Melinda has consistently been a top 1% producer in the Chicago area uh, prior to her real estate career. Uh, Melinda graduated from Northwestern University and worked in the financial service industry. Um, now, Melinda gives back to uh, Chicago's cultural and nonprofit organizations. She is served and serving on the women's board of the Joffrey Ballet, is also on the Ronald McDonald House Auxiliary Board. She is co-chair of Forward Momentum and is a founding committee member helping children in Inglewood. And that is about one one hundredth of all her accomplishments. Um, but we are so thrilled to have uh, to have Melinda on the show. Please visit her website, which is uh, Melinda Jakovich J. A-K-O-V-I-C-H dot um, com for more information about Melinda and what she offers her clients. Um, and we found out just as we were chatting before we started the show that Melinda's husband, who is a very prominent uh, uh, architect here in Chicago, actually designed the building I live in, which is what an amazing coincidence. But anyway, Melinda, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, DJ. We are um, so, so thrilled to have you. Um, 
I, you have such an impressive history and, and you've already told me about 10 different stories before we even started uh, the podcast, but I would like to go all the way back to the beginning, if you don't mind, and tell us about uh, how you got into real estate from coming from the financial services uh, industry. Well, actually, when I was in the financial industry, I sold tax shelters and I worked for a company that um, developed presidential towers. Sure. And I am in, in my husband's office right now, and I am looking at presidential towers. So it's kind of ironic because that was unheard of. Yeah. Um, I would have the opportunity to talk to people like Dan Rosenkowski, Clement Stone, and I was 20 years old or 21 years wow. old at the time. So there was nothing. I mean, that was Skid Road. So I, people in those days, the taxes were 70%. So people used to look to, for any way not to pay their income taxes. Sure. In, make it in investments and it happened to be always in real estate. So um, I actually fell and I used to trade at Morgan Stanley at the time and I fell and I needed back surgery and I just could not sit at the screens for 12 hours a day, which is what was kind of required sure. of you in those days. And I took my real estate license. And I decided I've always liked real estate. It's kind of like the wild, wild west to me. I realized you were you didn't have the jurisdictions monitoring you as you did in the security business. Right. And there were a lot of like entrepreneurs and just I, I, I thought it was always fascinating. And uh, I took my license and I met a woman who still to this day I talk to. And I talked to my two mentors in this real estate. They were trailblazers. And that's Annetta Gray hmm. and Elaine Waxman. And I'm forever grateful. Um, they really showed me because in the securities business, there weren't very many women. There were still a lot of glass sure. ceilings. Yeah. But in real estate, I noticed that women were really thriving as well as thriving, surviving. And uh, the opportunities in real estate just were unlimited. And I just fell in love with it day one. Wow. And so... So 26 years ago, you, you decided to pursue, did you just immediately go full-time or did you try to, to sort of do both or? You know, when I was at Morgan Stanley, I had a, I worked on that number one team. Uh, it was equities. It was the day of IPOs. Sure. And my, the head broker said, if you know your shit, no one can intimidate you. Yeah, it's true. So, and you can't do that part-time. And I, at, I worked for a company called Can. And she, my mentor actually started Rubloff, sure. a Gray. Yeah. And you had to wear a suit. I mean, she had certain things that were required of you. You had to spend so many hours on Tuesdays knowing, learning the properties, and there were no part-time agents. Sure. The fact that she hired me and I was brand new was kind of an anomaly um, in yeah. itself. But uh, no, I, you, I still think you can't do real estate part-time. I, it's just. If you really want to service your clients properly, it's, it's a full-time job. It's a way of life, actually. I mean, it becomes more than, it's not a nine-to-fiver. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We get a lot of questions um, to our podcast or, or the firm even that I work at where people ask, do you accept part-time agents? And it's like, well, you can always find a firm that will accept a part-time agent. But the, the question is, how much knowledge and, and are you going to be able to provide your clients? How, you know, are you going to be able to be successful that way? And it's, it's really hard if you're part-time. Right. And I remember Annette Gray saying to us all, cause there was about three of us that were new. And she would said, if you are not making and at that day, 24, if you aren't making $40,000 a year, and that was 1994, mm -hmm. get a real job and get a life. 
<laughs> because right. we work at nice, we work weekends and, you know, yeah. so it, it, that this might not be the field for you. You know, you can give yourself maybe one year to make less, but other than that, she, she said, why do you want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really become, you almost have to be obsessed with it um, in, in a healthy way, but I think you have right. to, you know, we, we were, we were talking, uh, Melinda lives actually very close to where I live. Her husband obviously has built, has designed buildings in, in our neighborhood. Um, and, and she's a resident as well in our neighborhood. And we were talking about um, just various things that we share in common. She goes, she and I go to the same Seven Eleven, and we were just joking around about some, some things. Eerie Cafe. But da- Eerie Cafe is, <laughs> uh, is, is uh, in fact, the um, a person who works in our office, his wife's family owns that Eerie Cafe or owns our Eerie Cafe. And so we, we talk a lot, we end up talking a lot about the Eerie Cafe in my office. But for those not from Chicago listening, this is a famous Italian steakhouse, uh, old sort of uh, uh, same family or, or somehow related to the family that was also Gene and Giorgetti's another famous Chicago steakhouse, uh, Italian steakhouse. But anyway, um, we had on uh, Matt Laracy, who has an office just down the street right. on Erie, as, as you know, and he was on the show and he said for the first five years of his career, he didn't focus on sales. He only did, I think, 10 sales in his first five years, but he would just wake up every day, put a suit on, and you've probably seen him walking around the neighborhood. He's oh, always in a suit. In a suit yeah. Always in his same blue suit, but um, he spent those times walking from building to building from eight to, to five and saying, what do you, is this a condo building? Is this an apartment building? And just l- learning his craft. Um, and he would do that full time and he did that for five years. And then he finally felt like he knew enough to actually go out and service clients in, in our area. Um, which, and I thought, boy, that's, you know, I really haven't heard that story before, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so few agents, you know, are, are, are putting in that sort of time and energy to really learn the craft and, and the ones that do become ext- like yourself have become obviously extraordinarily successful. And I have nothing um, but respect for Matt. Yeah. And that's what I think we all have to be a little kinder and respect each other. Cause it's, I, I need the bro- the other brokerage community as much as I need the one time transaction. And uh, I, I see him walking there. And I remember my first day, Annette Gray called me. She said, Melinda, let's sit down. There's, they were just getting rid of the books. We were going on the computer. Sure. But, and I said, Annette, I have appointments. <laughs> she goes, how did you know how to do that? And I sold something my first week. But You're that's kidding. Lo- but, th- but that's, you know, that's lucky. But I would be at the office at 6 to 10 almost every Monday through Friday. Wow. Yeah, but, that's, that, that's what it takes. Yeah, it does. It's like the outliners, right? Outliers. Yeah. I say outliners. You have to 10,000 hours, really. You have to dedicate the time to be considered to be master your profession. And I don't think you can fake it. You know, so they say fake it to make it, not in real estate. I have never, I have never understood that. I, I, I that I, the 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, brilliant, smart, makes perfect sense. The fake it till you make it, I, I've never really understood or because I think uh, people deserve authenticity. They deserve the truth. And, and if you're not able to effectively service a client, now I'm not saying you, of course, I'm saying any, anyone listening, you probably shouldn't take on that client. Obviously, Melinda can effectively service clients because you know she's put in her 10,000 hours. Um, but um, there's a lot, of, a lot of people listening who might get a listing in, in an area that they're not familiar with. Or maybe it's the, somebody wants to purchase a home in an area they're not familiar with. And then the question is, can I effectively service the client? Maybe I, I don't. Only you can answer that. But if you can't answer, if you if the answer is no, then maybe referring it out is a good option until you 
have, you know, a good understanding of that area. Well, when I first started, I had a lot of relationships with traders and people in the industry. Sure. And I remember John Mack at Morgan Stanley yeah. called me and said, I just went through the Morgan Stanley training program. And at that time, it, they, it was before they merged with Dean Witter. Sure. I was working with all Harvard, Yale, and I was, I mean, Northwestern isn't shabby, but yeah, not I shabby. Finished, <laughs> no, but I, I actually, I worked three jobs and put myself through school. So I'm a, wow. I, I, I have, I'm a hard worker. Yeah. But I was intimidated, you know, I'm, I'm a sure. policeman's daughter. I, I, I just was Harvard, Yale, and, and they belonged to country clubs, and I just didn't think I had the pedigree. But if you know your shit, you know, no one can intimidate you. But yeah. I remember I partnered with um, somebody, and I would bring in my relationships. We would get the listings. And I'll tell you who the person is, because he also is very important in my career, was Rick Drucker. Sure. And I paid him handsomely to co-list properties with me, but what he brought to me was worth everything. Yeah. Um, and cause I didn't think I could really, I had the relationships, but I really didn't know how to market the property. And I watched the senior brokers of the time and I, and I respected them. I didn't, you know, I just would watch them. I didn't necessarily call them and say, how do you do this? Or once in a while, maybe we would get together all at lunch or at committees and talk and help each other. But, Rick Drucker really, um, uh, and his whole family, his wife was lovely. Um, I ended up co-listing a house with her in Northbrook, but I, um, for two years, I really shared my business with him and he brought to me more than what that was in, in value. So, and I, I felt like I was servicing the people that I knew properly as well. My, uh, my girlfriend is a leasing, an in-house leasing agent for um, Catalyst, uh, which is in the West Loop. It's like, a oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not far from us uh, where we live. Lucian and... actually was supposed to design that building. Oh, originally... <laughs> that <laughs> is incredible. Go, <laughs> that go is ahead. amazing. Um, anyway, so, so she, no, <laughs> you, of course you got to be both. No, amazing. I'm joking. Um, I'm joking. So, so she uh, is, she has her leasing license, which she only needs for her job, but she's decided after seeing brokers come through over the years, she's like, you know, I, I can do this. Um, and so she's in the process of getting her broker's license and she's trying to figure out right now, should I, should I, should I partner with somebody? Should I join a team? Should I go off on my own initially? Um, now she's never been a broker before, right? She's done leasing, but that's it. And so, you know, I, it, it's a great question that probably a lot of our listeners have who are starting out too, is what are your thoughts? You've obviously partnered with somebody who, who was senior. It, it helped you, um, you know, become confident in, in what you were offering. Um, you were providing value as well, bringing in clients and, and learning the business. Um, has your thoughts, you know, 26 years later, do you still feel that, that that's a, that's a great strategy or do you, do you see people doing it on their own or just curious what you're, you know, compass is about teams, but I, I, um, and, and a lot of companies are about teams. Uh, yeah. it does, that doesn't necessarily work for me. I was going to try it in January and I felt like I was more of being a mentor and spending my time. I love my clients. I've known them yeah. 26 years. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I love my clients. And I think they're always going to be my priority. I think there's mentorship programs out there that are fabulous. And there are people who are creating teams. I think I like the small, maybe three or four people. I, right. You know, that's a small team, but would I want 10 people, 11 people? Well, they get great numbers at the end of the year, but um, I, I like, you know, my repeat business, which most, a lot of us do. And, and I feel like we're all part of a family and, 
and that's my priority. And even though I dabble in uh, developments, I, I mean, my families are number one to me. Yeah, it, that, that becomes sort of the challenge when you run a team is now you're running a business and some of that time is going to be spent managing those people and it's going to take time away from your clients. And for some people that trade-off makes sense, other brokers it doesn't. Um, and, and obviously for you, your relationships are so important, makes sense, um, you know, why, why a team may or may not be something that, well, that you would- Well, time is money and sometimes the younger ones are- People, they forget that if I'm giving time, it's kind of valuable to me. That's all we have in life is your word and time. Yeah, um, that's absolutely right. I, I would love to talk because I know um, being active and involved in the community and giving back to organizations that you're passionate about is, is so important to you. And I, I would love to talk more about um, how that has related. And, and again, full di- you know, with the disclaimer that the reason to get involved is not to progress necessarily one's business forward, but as, as something I'm curious of, uh, obviously you are passionate about uh, the organizations. Your husband has been involved in some of those buildings that, that uh, house these organizations. Um, But um, how, how important is it do you think for a real estate agent to get involved in their, in their local community or in. How could could one not? How could one not? I mean, we're, we're selling communities. We're helping families move on. Um, I I can't imagine, especially right now. I mean, I walked to Starbucks and I had another realtor on the phone and I saw four homeless people and I gave them, I mean, they didn't look like they were doing drugs or alcohol, but we need to help each other out. I was so proud in our neighborhood the Sunday after when I was walking down Grand Avenue, I saw people with brooms, like yeah. helping Jean and Jordetti's like shovel the yeah. glass. And we need to help even no, no matter how small it is or how, how large. Actually, I am now on this, uh, the women's board of the service club as, as well, which is one of the largest um, organizations of charities in Chicago. Um, and I'm very proud to be on that as well. But I, I can't imagine uh, we don't give back because when you give, you get. It's just my philosophy. It's my mantra in life, you know. But I don't have yeah. children, so I, during this um, these three months, I can't imagine all the working mothers or working fathers. Yeah. Um, so I really applaud to the people who are parents and have children. So I, I never had children. So with that time that I had. I, I decided that that's what I was going to do with it. Yeah. Well, um, you've built up this impressive, um, you know, uh, series of, of accomplishments and you are, you know, really a legend here in the Chicago market. Um, so our listeners are always wanting to know, and there's not an easy answer to this question. So, you know, feel free to answer it however you feel, see fit, but what are some of the, and maybe even if it's just one thing, but what are mistakes that you've seen agents who are trying to become successful in this business, aside from not putting in faking the hours, it, right? Faking it till you make it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. Fun. Yeah. Um, I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say what is important. I think being authentic um, yeah. is really important and always being uh, truthful and respectful. Don't be late for appointments. I mean, there's certain things if, you know, if, care about your clients, be there on time, know the properties, know the neighborhood and sell their property. I don't understand this lockbox thing. I don't think I've ever had a lockbox in 26 years. Wow. And I I try to show most of my own listings or my partner, Frank, um, who I 
my co-broker right now. Um, we always show our properties. I just, the lockbox, uh, your value, you have to show your, you have to show your clients your value and they'll appreciate it. I mean, and they do appreciate it. And if they think about the commission, I always say, don't worry about my commission, worry what I'm going to give you at the end result. I mean, that's right. what's important. And actually, since this has happened, and I was so worried, I am not the tech savvy. And you probably, if anyone, people that have been working 26 years, I mean, I think we're a little behind in that. But I can, I can hire someone who's very tech savvy, but they can't hire 26 years. That's they right. can't buy that. You either have it or you... But you have to respect each other for what you bring to the table. So if someone's tech savvy, you know, that that brings a lot. But I'm noticing people are calling me because they realize experience does matter. Because we're, sure we're heading into a different territory. We don't know how this is all going to play out. But I've been really busy this past week and more so than I was in February. So I think people are the value of their home is going to, it's more important than ever right now. And uh, what I what I noticed like with Lucian and, um, the first day he, he, both of us were working from home and he's designing buildings and he got a call from, he's designing, you know, four floors of a uh, lawyer's office building. And right away they're thinking, how are we going to, are people going to come to the office? Are we going to have to redesign the building? And our one bedrooms, I mean, are, is everybody going to now be selling one bedrooms in a den because people sure. are going to be working at yeah. home? Like buildings, lots of things are going to come out of this and we'll just see how it changes. It'll be really interesting to see what happens to commercial office space too. Will oh, that, that's... yeah, like what's going to happen is it, it, will things really kind of go back to normal once the, the vaccine, uh, everyone's inoculated or, or is that uh, more of a thing of the past? Um, it'll be really and interesting to see. And how do your, your employees get to the office? Do they have to take right. public transportation? And, and then uh, as we all know that everything's so litigious these days, like yeah. you, you have to be careful if someone's, but Lucian asked his 14 or 15 architects, do you, they had a meeting and they said, do you want to work from home or for the office? And 15 of them said they want to come back to the office. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I like the office still, but I mean, there's some value being able to, you know, be on your sofa and read emails and things. But I, I really like seeing other people. I think you get energy. Energy is really important. Yeah, we're trying to figure that out here in our own office as well as when do we start letting agents come in using the office. And it's really something to think about, especially because it's not the same 15 people every day. We have hundreds and hundreds of agents. So we're trying to, it's like, how do we do that? And very few agents really even want to use the office, but the ones that do, it's like, okay, how do you know? And so we're all trying to figure that out. Um, but I'm curious well, since, since, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I, would, I was going to say Compass, I have to say, I, I just started Compass and then three, four months later, this happened, but they really have so many tools that they, yeah. like they were in the right place for this because that you could work from home and, and look at Zoom. I mean, will people stop doing Zoom? <laughs> Are we, I don't know. Well, it's just so many unanswered questions. So, so, so for the, la the last three months, um, while the pandemic's been happening and will continue to unfortunately uh, probably happen for some time, um, how has that changed with your communication? Are you, are you doing more Zoom meetings? Are you doing more phone calls? Um, how has that affected your day-to-day uh, -day activity since you're not well, able to, to get in front of clients as often? I've been picking up the phone and calling people. I'm old school. I think yeah. there's something to be said about that. Um, I think sometimes Zoom, I mean, we didn't know 
Like if four people, are, their photo is in or their picture they're not on, are they insulting the others? Or I still like calling um, Me too. my clients. But it did was very helpful because this was the springtime for a lot of fundraisers, like the gala. And I was, yeah. we did a lot. We did a couple of them uh, on Zoom. We were creative on how to raise money. That Zoom was very helpful for, and, and for us having committee meetings. But when it comes to my clients, I, um, I would pick up the phone and call them, and then they could you know, call me back. And I think a lot of us were a little shell-shocked, and I think sometimes you can, you can kind of – it's hard for me to fake it, so I'd rather just be on the yeah. phone because I wear my heart on my shoulders, and sometimes yeah. I just – I wasn't in my pajamas, but I wasn't necessarily um, – like the, I didn't have the Matt Larcy suit look necessarily. <laughs> and I, so you, you have made a real name for yourself in the luxury market. You've, you've done a huge, huge accomplishments in, in luxury real estate. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that came to be? You know, there are agents that focus on non-luxury properties, some focus in luxury. Um, how, it, how did that unfold for you? I think it's because I worked at Morgan Stanley and I went to Northwestern mm. and I, um, when I was partnering with Rick, a lot of times I would be the one who would talk to the husbands and he would talk to the, like at the, at the table or he was good with the babies. Um, I think that um, I knew my shit and yeah. I think, I think smart people um, who live in those homes appreciate. And I think that they appreciate that I'm a hard worker. I remember the first time I got a listing at 209 in a very prominent Chicago family hired me and I remember seeing them always in the like the front pages and I said why did you yeah, why hire me? like yeah <laughs> the cut the policeman's daughter and and, and the, even the money manager was there and he said because you're the policeman's daughter ah uh, yeah well who, who, and, and, who and it better wasn't to trust like that is, yeah. but that isn't it wasn't a i didn't make it up to market it's just the truth and i think yeah. i think if you're authentic it, i think smart people and people who have luxury they're no dummies i mean no and you can't you can't fake it and you know you just have to they know who's sincere they know and they've done the research on you they've made calls and sure they called their friends and you know and i think then if someone you you sell one then another one will call and say melinda was really great to work with and i think it's as i mentioned when you ask some things i think it's really important we have fun yeah and i think people i i think people really have liked working with me i actually make myself laugh sometimes i think of like i i think humor is really important in life it's like that to me i i want to laugh i want to you know you can't i don't take i take my work seriously but not myself yeah. And I think, I think people want to work with people they like. Like when people say, I don't want to work with friends or family. I say, what do you want to work with people you hate and you know, your enemies? I, I don't understand that one either. Well, I think a lot of times when people say they don't want to work with friends and family, my guess is that for the majority of people who say that it's that they're worried that they're going to make a, a mistake and then that would be hurting the people closest to them, um, which I guess is a fair thing to, consider but i always say well who better to who's more likely to forgive you if you do make a mistake is friends and family um so I'm, i always think well maybe when people say that uh they think well i don't i don't really know my shit right maybe, maybe right. that's what they're saying and they're saying i don't want my friends and family to see that i don't know my shit or i don't want to provide 
a, a lower level of service. I would work harder for someone that I cared about. But in this market, too, it's been really important for the past at least three years pricing. And if you're not priced appropriately, there are times when the first broker, uh, you kind of feel sorry for it because yeah. they just have um, unrealistic expectations. I mean, we weren't necessarily seeing the 18, 19% increases in prices that we were seeing in before the recession of the last time. And if people were thinking, well, I hear everyone saying, oh, I read this or in New York, I mean, in San Francisco, I'm like, this is Chicago. And we have a lot of money, but we're just, it's a different market. But when if we can't be realistic, if we listen and tell people what they want to hear at the, you're just like sabotaging yourself and you know, you're not doing a justice, but I, I sometimes I'll say, I'll, I'll try it. And I, I'll say, let's try it at this price. But if we don't get any showings, we know it's not priced properly, which is what I told you. You have to respect that. Mm -hmm. And are you, is it easier for you, you know, 26 years in to have conversations with sellers about pricing when the seller's expectation is not in alignment with reality? I have a hard time not taking that listing. Sure. I have to say, because I think, you know, I can go through the process. They're going to beat me up. I mean, true. You think you should be thinking about your clients, at least every one of them once a day. Well, they're thinking about you three times a day. What are they doing for me to sell this property? So I think um, to be realistic about the market, you show them the statistics and, but everybody thinks they have the best house. I know the statistics (laughs) say this, but I, or they'll say, well, let's try, let's just try. Um, And they say uh, you should have people sign an agreement that after 30 days, when they say, let's try, then you need to agree to sign where I I told you to list the price or walk away. But I, I need to do that myself. I mean, we have, if you don't, learn and keep on growing you die so yeah you know and i'm trying to learn the computer and i need to grow you know and i am compass has actually challenged me and i appreciate that well they're a very tech forward yeah and caldwell banker and they all i mean i could see they're all at the whole the whole platform is changing but you know this is this is really accelerated um there was a great inman uh seminar that was online. It was completely online. I was in New York in January. And even uh, the owner of Keller Williams, who was kind of resisting, said, this is, this is disruption. This is, you know, it's, but he also said, we have to be kinder to each other as well. Let's hope we, you know, we got to work on this together. Well, it, it is called a cooperative commission, which is <laughs> something that agents maybe sometimes forget. I, um, I was having uh, uh, Carrie McCormick from At Properties comes on once a month to talk about the market. And she's, uh, I'm sure you, you probably yeah. know Carrie, I've run into her. She's a very lovely person. She was, uh, so we were, we were about ready to get on and she goes, she was in a, uh, she was a little um, sh- shook up. And I said, oh, is, is something wrong? Do you want to reschedule? She goes, no. She goes, I just can't believe how some brokers talk to me. And she goes, you just wouldn't, I wish I could record some of these conversations She's like, they, some brokers just, just are so rude and so mean. And, and she is not a complainer, but she's like, she just couldn't believe it. She's like, I've been doing this 21 years and it shocks me still how some people talk, you know, and you know, the whole idea of working with kindness and empathy and yeah. Well, when I first got married, a lot of people, some of my competition told people I was in Paris. Like I retired, I'm off in the Riviera somewhere. I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> I'm wow. at an open house. Where? 
you know, I, in my dreams, you know, but yeah, you just, you shame, shame. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, and also too, it, it, there seems to be, and, and I've talked to a lot of brokers uh, over the years on the show who say, you know, sometimes I come in with an offer, uh, the broker on the other side of the deal is a, is somebody I know very well, and we might not even be the the highest offer. And sometimes that broker who, who really will oh. sell that to their client because they know that I'll get the deal done and they trust me and they like me. And, and so, absolutely, even, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you give a person an offer and they don't even respond to you for a couple of days. Like, shame, shame. Well, you said something very important earlier. I just want to go back to you. You talked about doing your own showings when, when you have listings and not using lockboxes. And, and I, that is still an ongoing debate I hear, in the, at least here in Chicago, about should you do your showing, should you not? Um, I, I don't see any reason not to do a showing. But, um, you know, that's, that's obviously very important to you. And, and I just want to make sure I reiterate that point to our listeners that you are getting paid very handsomely to sell a property and to show up to assist the, uh, the buyer's agent um, is probably a, a good move if you, can, if you can do it, of course. Well, one of my first couple of years in sales, I sold the house to Liz Fair. Mm. And Liz Fair bought the house because I, it, was a, it, was a, it didn't have a garage. It was a house in Lincoln Park and on um, the pine grove but anyway there was a little like reading nook and i said the previous owner used to like to read her books here and, and liz said i bought that house because melinda said that her her broker was bobby doherty at the time she goes because that's where i'm gonna write my music she goes after i bought wow. it i realized i have to carry my drums and my guitar from because it doesn't have a garage but i was so fixated that that's where i was gonna write my music oh uh. And, and if I would have left the keys there, the, the, Bobby would not have thought of that because it was the real truth. I did hear, uh, you know, everybody has a story and every home has a story and it's sure. worth being told. It, it is. And it helps, it helps the buyer feel more connected to the home to understand, like Liz Fair, who's a musician who needs uh, that sort of space for you to be able to say, oh, the previous owner did, you know, their reading here. She then can then interpret that in, in what she needs. So I think you're absolutely right. And what a, what a great message uh, to, yeah. to the listeners. To, real um, estate is a noun and a verb. You know, as for a real estate agent, we have to kind of communicate that relate how it feels to live in this house and it really when you can do that you can see the other person kind of connecting that's why i don't think there'll ever be uh realtors aren't going to disappear people aren't necessarily maybe they're buying homes at a certain price range without seeing a home but the house could smell wrong the sunshine can't be right the karma the energy i mean i've had people even you know during the final walkthrough like have energy specialists come by and say, are you sure this house is a good one for me? You know, or <laughs> like, please. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's funny. When I bought uh, my first uh, condo, which was in Uptown a, a million years ago, my realtor at the time, I was in a completely different profession, but my, my realtor said, you're just, and, and he was not, uh, he, he was not a new agey, touchy feely kind of person, but he said, here's what's going to happen. Cause it was my first time buying a property. He's like, we're going to walk through about 20 places over the next month or, or however we were doing it. He goes, most of them will just feel wrong the moment you walk in. And when that happens, just tell me it doesn't feel right. 
I mean, we can still walk through, but if it doesn't feel right, just tell me, we'll mark it off the list because one, one of these places you're going to walk in and it's just going to feel right. And when it does, you have to tell me that too. Um, and, and he was absolutely right. That's exactly how it worked. There's an energy to, to a home. Now that maybe that doesn't work that way for everyone, but it's, he was certainly right in my case. And, and, it, the, and I walked into a, uh, it wasn't even finished. It was, they were converting it from apartments to, to condos. And I, I, I had a hard time even visualizing what is this going to look like? Um, and, and, but I knew it felt right and, and it ended up being the right purchase. So. But, but then there are, you know, buildings like that you have to buy on floor plans. So you yeah. have, to have the opportunity, right. but if, if you kind of know the location and you trust the design and you know, unfortunately, the past 10, since the recession, we've been seeing a lot of um, apartment buildings being built. Yeah. Nine Walton and, uh, you know, I think Helmut Jan's building is beautiful. I hope, you know, there, are, there haven't been that many beautiful, beautiful luxury buildings are built, I think, in the city. It's been mostly rentals. I think now they were starting to do, I think the boutique buildings are really um, interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see if how people are gonna if they're gonna go to the suburbs too. We'll see. Yeah. What is your thought on that? That's actually a really great question. Do you have? Um, I, obviously, no one has a crystal ball, but but what's your 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 instinct on that? Well, I actually believed in that before this. I was working at six years on a project in Juan Winneka, which was beautiful, and I had half of it sold, and we worked six years, thirty six. Hmm. committee meetings and it did at the final hours but I could see how people were attached to their country club to their grandchildren and they didn't want to leave the community they weren't sure. ready to move the city and uh, Lucien's designing one in Oak Brook now which the same I mean people love the community but I do see where people now are thinking if we have to bunker down they probably would like a house maybe and then you know I think once they've been maybe a lot of people went to Lake Forest or the south suburbs where I'm from Sure. And they spend some time with their family because if you're going to be locked in, you just need more space. It's going to be interesting if buildings are going to be designed with all this common area. Are people going to want to be in those rooms together oh, again right. or in the pools or in the big gyms and the fancy whatever they've been? Will be. I think co-ops might do well or smaller vintage buildings again because they're more private and less, mm -hmm. you know. And you have more control, control right? You, you have control, control about over. who's, yeah, who's coming in and yeah. Right. I mean, we'll see, but I, I think, I mean, I always think the suburbs appeal to people for certain reasons. I think people like to go back to where they, you know, I, I'm a city girl. So, and there are people that always wanted to go back to the country club and I think this might accelerate it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. And then, and then, but prior to the pandemic, there was, you know, there's a lot of people who retire and then want to move back into, I know my, my parents are from the, um, the Northwest or they're from uh, the North shore really. And, but they, we, we were up down in central Illinois in Peoria. Um, but they've always thought, you know, uh, now they wouldn't do this, but if they ever had moved back to Chicago, they would have loved to have lived in gold coast or somewhere, somewhere around there because it's still they grew beautiful. Up in the, Tell them. Oh, 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 they know, they know. And they're thrilled that I, I live in river North, but, but the idea of, of, you know, people retire they come back sometimes to the city and um i think that's a really cool thing too because chicago we're so lucky to have such the downtown we have is just uh oh and the lakefront i was just i have a listing on aster at 1300 and when i went showed the property i actually like just sat outside and said look how beautiful this city and the street is you know yeah 
Really beautiful. We're, I just can't wait for the farmers markets to come back and all the things that make Chicago great. Yeah, it it is. Uh, it is. We have beautiful architecture here. We have a beautiful city, and um, you know, obviously, isn't that fun? Yeah, he, I just found out that he has a distant relative to Goldberg, which is phenomenal. I do. I'm, and everybody who's been on the show always brings up architecture, which I yeah. think is really, I mean, Chicago does have beautiful. New York has, since they don't have so many of, because we have height restrictions and right. far, New York has grown so much because it's probably easier to get a building built in New York than it is in Chicago because we're pretty protective of, uh, you know. But we had the foresight, like the retail families, and look, retail's disappearing. Montgomery Wards gave the Millennial Park and Grand Park to the city and said, never build this up. This will be a, we have a free zoo, Lincoln Park Zoo, you know? Yeah, how, how lucky we are to have those things. Very fortunate. Uh, yeah. Well, for anyone listening who isn't a real estate agent, but might be a buyer, a seller, um, who's looking to work with Melinda, somebody like yourself with, with all this experience and, and you know, you obviously do a tremendous job for your clients, um, what is the best way someone should reach out to you in case they're looking to work with you? Well, I actually, to call me, I'm still old school, 312-953-3425, if you ever see myself or my dog or Lucian, please stop by and just say hello. Um, one thing I think that we did mention is passion. And I'm very passionate yeah. about Chicago and I'm very passionate about real estate. Please, uh, or, uh, Melinda Jakovich, Lagrange at gmail.com. But feel free to well, call me because I, I do pick up my phone. Lucian said, this is funny. He started his first big project since he left the SOM was the Park Hyatt. Sure. And the Pritzkers called him and he said, if he didn't pick up that phone, he knows they would have called Helmut Jan. So pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a, so what a, what a great, what a great final message. Pick up your phone call. And, and, and also you said something very profound. I just want to reiterate it. You said you should be thinking about your clients once, at least once a day, because they're thinking about you three times a day. And, and that's, that's a very, very strong point. Um, so uh, let's let's end with that. But Melinda, it, this was such a pleasure for us. We we had a wonderful time chatting with you. Um, you know, I, I would congratulate Same you here. on all. I would con thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I would congratulate you on all your success. But uh, I'm excited just to continue to watch your success. I, I guess and um, and I will hopefully run into you walking around the neighborhood, which uh, I tend to do I'll, a lot. I'll buy so. you a drink at Erie Cafe. Hey, I, I will take, I will take you up on that because it is literally four steps from where I live. So I will, uh, I will take you up on that. But anyway, it was a pleasure. Um, on behalf of the listeners, we want to thank Melinda for taking time out of her incredibly busy life to, to join us on the podcast, provide value to our listeners and our viewers. And also on behalf of uh, Melinda and myself, we want to thank the listeners uh, and viewers for continuing to support our show. Please follow us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. Um, and also uh, tell a friend, think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing this, this great interview with Melinda and send them a link to the show um, so we can continue to support more and more agents. So Melinda, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure thank chatting you. with you. Stay healthy. Yes, stay and safe. Stay healthy and safe. And be kind. And yes, be kind. Thank you so much. Okay, okay. au revoir. Au revoir. Bye-bye. <laughs>